0: Frame. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mainframe Podcast. We're your host, DeMoth and and Onwith, and thank you for tuning in to the third episode of our podcast. With that being said, let's jump right into some Samsung news, and boy, do we have some big news for a big phone. After months of leaks and speculations, it is official. The Samsung Galaxy Note 21 is being canceled, and this news is coming directly from the Samsung president and head of mobile communications, so it really doesn't get any more official than that.
1: Yeah, D1. So I've I've heard of that news, and I was just I was just wondering, like they're canceling the Note 21, and Note 21 is usually a pretty like big event when they release that. And I was just wondering, do you know what they're replacing it with?
0: Right. So, um, Samsung President Rob didn't exactly say why the phone is being canceled, but there's there are a numerous amount of speculations. And my personal opinion is that they're going to be moving forward and really pushing their new series, the Samsung Fold series. In order to replace the note.
1: Oh, I see. What about? So you know the note? It's always had that trademark feature, the S Pen. You can use it to write notes, do some gestures with it, and people always thought it was really cool. It was one of the main selling features of the note, the note lineup. I was wondering, are they also? What are they doing to that? Are they just like deleting it, or are they like I'm, trying I'm, to like implement it to their new fold lineup?
0: I honestly don't know. Samsung's been like really, really quiet about like this entire like note fiasco because every single year it almost seems like samsung always has news coming about out about how they're going to like cancel the new note series but now they're doing it for real and the stylus being one of the big selling points i think they might be trying to implement the stylus into the fold series itself because obviously the entire note series was for like productivity those people that need a big driving phone for um running many applications multitasking and everything and what better thing to run multitasking, run big apps, than a bigger screen, a bigger phone in the Fold. So I really think like the S Pen in the Fold is a really good, like it goes hand in hand. I can, I can see like if they're trying to push their Fold series, why they would get rid of the Note. Because after all, they're gonna end up competing for the same target market.
1: Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. Because if you just think about it, you know the regular Galaxy lineup for the Samsung phones, the Note lineup is basically just a more boxy version of it, if you think about it. Just a little bit more beefed up, a little bit more RAM. But under the hood, it has the exact same processor, just a little bit more RAM, same type of storage. It's essentially the same thing, but in just a slightly larger form factor and a more boxy design. I think what they're trying to do is decrease... The similarity between their product lineup because the note and the galaxy lineup they're pretty similar but the, the note lineup is way more expensive than the galaxy so i think what they're trying to do is increase the difference between it by just removing it all together and replacing the note with the Fold lineup because if you think about it the the galaxy phones they start at 9.99 where the Fold three is estimated to be two thousand dollars i think with that huge price gradient it might offer some more competitive advantages because the, the consumers wouldn't be choosing between like two similar phones for like huge, for not for a lot of price difference, if you know what I'm saying.
0: You know, it's funny you bring that up because I remember a couple of years ago when me and my mom were looking to buy new phones, right? Um, I ended up buying the S8. My mom wanted a relatively like bigger screen. So she was deciding between the S8 Plus and the Note 8. And when we were like going through the entire process of like deciding which one we wanted, we ended up going with the S8 Plus because she realized like, she all she wanted was a bigger screen, not necessarily all that processing power. And that the phones were similar enough, where to one was the Note series was just way more expensive and ended up pushing her towards buying the flagship, the S8 Plus model, right? So I do see like the competitive pricing strategy by basically removing the Note, you're like, Se- differentiating the S8 and the Note 8, to where people who really, really want the Note 8, really, really want the power, still have the option in the new Fold phones.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking, I'll be talking about. Because what they're trying to do, they're trying to make the differences more substantial. Because between, say for the Galaxy and the Note lineup, the screen size difference is probably like half an inch maximum the difference between the, the note might be a half inch bigger, but if you think about it between the Galaxy lineup and the Fold lineup, it's way bigger than that, the diagonal, because you know I could fold out, right? So it's basically more of a tablet than an actual phone. So they're trying to make the differences more substantial so it gives consumers more appeal to paying that extra price, like putting up, putting up that all that money for it. They want to like back that up with features as well. And they're definitely doing that with the new Fold 3 from what I'm looking at, the leaks
0: not only appeal like when i've always like i was always fascinated by like people who decide to buy a note phone because i never really understood like you have an entire stylus and you're working on this like although it's relatively large a relatively large screen compared to other phones it's still a small screen right you're trying to multitask a, a small screen i never understood why people actually found that useful and what I see the Fold phone, where it's double the real screen real estate, I see how a stylus, I see how it can be useful, for like snapping different things, multitasking on different screens, which for some reason people are doing on that tiny phone. So I honestly see this as a good move for Samsung, if this is what they're planning to do, because we don't know, they might come back in 2022 and release a new Note phone. So we have to see how that pans out.
1: Yeah, I think it's not only is like the screen like, not just the screen size necessarily. I think just the screen shape of the Note series is kind of awkward to use with a stylus, right? It's like a vertical screen, like like vertically oriented, meaning it's longer on the top. While like the the fold lineup, it's more like it's more like a tablet. It's more landscape, which is more yeah. like ergonomic. Like more people are more inclined to use a stylus in that manner. Say for like the iPad Pro, it's like it's just like that kind of canvas just incites the use of s pen like a stylus more so i think that's a pretty good move like if they, if they decide to implement the s pen into the fold them, i could see a lot of people buying the fold for productivity uses especially with our screen real estate the format of the size
0: yeah like that. when we use like the note right what's apple's like competitor to a note like let's say if they had it would be the uh, um the closest
1: thing would be the pro max the
0: pro max right When I see people with a Pro Max, I don't envision them ever, like, using, like, like, let's take the Apple Pen, using an Apple Pen on their phone itself, right? So I still really never understood the reason, but double the, like, put two um, Pro Maxes next to each other, and now you can fluidly use a stylus. And that would be a major selling point. But one concern I do have, how are they going to fit the stylus in the Fold Phone itself?
1: i mean they did do that in the note series Note series was considerably like smaller than the fold right and it was thinner as well and they were able to fit like a pretty sizable stylus in that like they made a little cabbie that could recharge it wirelessly i thought like it was pretty innovative i think they'll definitely find a way of like, right the, the, the r d department at samsung is Spectacular. You see the like, they come out with way more features than Apple does in every year. Like they make something groundbreaking every year that incites more people to buy a Samsung phone.
0: Yeah, and actually no, that makes sense. That's kinda it's kinda stupid of me to think Samsung would have figured that out. But one concern I still do have is gonna be the durability of these new fold phones if they implement an S-Pen. You're taking what like a small plastic piece and banging your screen. Um, the screen of the Fold, which, by the way, is not glass. It's pl- it's a certain type of plastic
1: that you're yeah, that's rubbing. something I, I didn't really understand, because Samsung markets, especially with the Fold, too, they market it as, like, some super thin glass layer. I'm sure they did have it there, but the actual feel of it, it's basically huh. still, pl- like, primarily still plastic. And even, like, I saw this review that a reviewer actually scratched the screen With just his fingernail, I don't think it might not like with with what I'm seeing with the Fold 2, I don't think it'll be able to hold up to the punishment that the S Pen would actually give it. Because, you know, people like poke and prod it pretty heavily. If you see like, like people with iPad Pros and their Apple Pencil, they they poke, they like put a lot of pressure on it. They would need to come up with some revolutionary tech, like screen tech. Be able to implement yeah, that.
0: They're all pressure
1: sensitive,
0: right? The harder you press, the darker the line. Exactly.
1: Like, exactly.
0: If you want to get all those like minuscule details, the screen has to be able to hold up. And I have no doubt in my mind Samsung's gonna be able to figure this out. But I don't know how long it will last, and if the technology is there yet to where you can have a more solid glass feel to the screen, and it's also able to fold rather than a more plastically like fidgety screen that can is easy is very prone to getting damaged
1: yeah that, that totally makes sense also i was thinking about like just the practicality of having like a big screen and like a phone because like if you think about it like what, what do most people just use their phone for maybe they might check their social media make some calls make maybe write some messages or emails but if you think about it they don't really do much like productivity works like they don't write write like word documents or like they don't do like drawing or, like artists they don't do like they don't make thumbnails on it I think that might be I was just wondering like what Samsung's use going, case for this is.
0: That's going to the entire like like target market, like right. This is not really targeted to the everyday user. This is targeted to the one or two percent that use this for everyday, like heavy use in their corporations and stuff. Like everyday use they got the flagship, they got the they got the S series, you know, the S twenty ones, S22s that are gonna come out. They have all that set in line for those people. Uh, this the the fold series is really for that like one or two percent of people that actually like heavily use
1: their phones. I guess that does make sense. It's more for like the power users who can actually take advantage of that extra processing power, the extra RAM, and like they're just a multitasking interface with it. You know, because like with all, that much screen real estate, like Samsung did optimize their previous fold flagships to have like snap in Windows just like Windows and like things like that just make it more like productive for the user.
0: Yeah, I mean, and obviously this is all just speculation, right? Because we don't know like if there's going to be a Galaxy Note 22 coming out next year, right? Because I yeah, think yeah. like online, like one reason speculation that they're not releasing a new Note series is because of the chip shortage, right? One speculation is because they're planning to get rid of it and replace it with a full. We don't really know. My personal opinion, i say scrap the note, go full-fledged with the fold series because those are the people, the people that are using the note would definitely appreciate a bigger fold series, more productivity space.
1: Okay, to just touch on that point you made that people who use the note might go for the fold. I think that's not necessarily true because I think the note is just a slightly different target demographic than what they're going for with the Fold, right? Because the Note is like a $1,200, $1,300 phone, but this one is a, basically a $2,000 phone and more if you want to add like actual storage to this thing. And I think that's not really the same target market. I think like maybe it's the same use case, but they're not going for the same target market, if you know what I'm saying. Because like the price is so, like the price gradient is so different between those two. I don't think like people who are using Notes, they won't, Pony up that money to buy the Fold.
0: You know, you're bringing up like the, the, the pricing of the Fold is pretty insane for a smartphone. Um, do you know anything about like the new Fold series that are coming out, like the pricing range that they're aiming to go for? Like, are they still gonna be priced at around $2,000?
1: Yeah, that, I'm looking at a Veek article and they said they expect it around uh, $1,999 U.S. Uh, 1800 pounds uh, great burden pounds and 3000 um australian dollars wow. i think that's absolutely bonkers for a hey, phone like- just imagine like you could buy like a fully specced out laptop or even like a gaming like a workstation pc for that and you're spending that on basically a glorified tablet from like 2014.
0: <laughs> that's funny you know um i think um the biggest challenge like if they're gonna be trying to transfer all your note customers to the Fold customers they're obviously gonna be price right the note 1300 dollars. i'd say if they bring down um <clears throat> the fold to around 60 $1, dollars, 1600 i think they can um they can mo- they'll most likely be able to transfer like let's say like yeah, six definitely,
1: definitely. people over yeah definitely because like if you think about it like the features you're the extra features you're getting for that like three hundred dollars over the note is pretty substantial you get like all this extra screen real estate you have to get three screens one on the front and two when you open it up and i think that's like that's a pretty big feature list for just three hundred dollars like you get you basically get the same camera i think the new full three is getting like the same style camera as the s21 ultra which i think is like pretty awesome like they're fitting they're packing that into something that's supposed to be like a that's, thin and like foldable. that's device. a crazy camera too it's not like that's any yeah like it's one it's people regard it as one of the best cameras out right now even over the iphone which some people may find hard to believe
0: yeah it's it's pretty crazy like the form factor but then again one one thing like have you ever held a fold phone because i have those things when folded up they're pretty thick in your pocket man it feels like you are carrying a portable battery in your pocket
1: yeah i understand that because if you think about it it's the same thickness of say like a regular phone that you have once it's like like fold it outward like you have it in the dual screen mode like yeah. the full like the largest screen on your side that's like that's like the size of the regular phone and if you if you close it up it's basically two phones you are carrying yeah and some and people that, do carry two phones and like, say like you're a power user like i know a lot of tech reviewers they carry an iphone and an android phone like they're carrying two phones at a time and if you're a power user i don't think you'll mind that like it's not really it's not really a big deal for them i think at that point just pop like they know what they're paying for you know two thousand dollars
0: You know, all these people, right? You go outside, you look at someone's phone, it always has a case on it, right? Imagine, think about the thickness of a fold phone with the case on top of it too, like an OtterBox sort of thing.
1: That would be crazy. Like, I I understand like people want to protect it, but like, if you're buying a phone, like, like, especially like people would want to protect it. You're paying two grand for this phone. And if it breaks, like a screen repair is quite expensive on these phones, right? The repairability, if you've seen like from iFixit, has a pretty low score on repairability. So like the guys would actually them, like take apart like all the adhesives and stuff and like repaste all like all the components. I think, so I think with- it's gonna be like, they want to protect it. So it's like, just like, adding extra thickness. The thing with these Fold phones, right? We
0: have like this entire issue about right to repair, right? And you want like people to be able to go and repair their stuff wherever you want. Even if you have the option, I don't know if with these Fold phones, if you'd want to go Anywhere other than Samsung to get it repaired, right? Because these are screens.
1: Yeah. Because you don't want to mess that up, right? Like, because that void the warranty. Like with current like regulations, like obviously like Biden, President Biden's like going into like that. He's increasing like giving more. He's like giving more attention to right to repair. Recently passed some legislation regarding that, which I don't want to get to because we can spend an entire episode on that. But like at the current state, people wouldn't want to touch like a fold phone like as much as they would like a regular iPhone, which like. People replace the screens on all the time. Like personally, I replaced on my old iPhone 6S, I replaced um the battery, the charging port, and the screen. And it was trust me, it was like it was not hard at all. Like just follow the steps and it's easy, easy as pie.
0: Which I don't know why you did that at that point. To me personally, I'm just buying a new
1: phone. <laughs> In, actually, it was quite cheap. I recently just got a phone this year. And last year, like the f- iPhone 6s were already like five years old. Like, buying the OEM parts for all that, it's, it was quite cheap. I only spent, like, maybe $30 total on all of that. Oh, so I thought I thought it was a good deal, personally.
0: Oh, okay. I, I, I was expecting that to be much more expensive. Like, at the point, like, where it gets up to, like, $200 or something, I'd just spend the money on a new phone where it's all faster, you know, new software, everything.
1: True, true. I understand that, but... Also, like, for, for the phones, like, I think there's a difference between iPhones and Samsung and like, the regard to how long they last, right? Because the iPhones, like, iPhone 6s is still supported to this day, even with the new iOS 15. That's the longest any phone has been supported for, the software updates. It gets a full-fat software update, not just security patches, which I thought, like, it's just crazy, right? Like, Samsung, I think they rate it as three years max like, their newest phones, like, for supporting the latest Android updates,
0: if yeah, I'm not mistaken.
1: I thought that's, like, I don't know, like, Apple's, like, really good with that stuff. They can make it last long, but yeah, like,
0: I, I have they an don't an give essa- you
1: customizability. That's yeah, okay.
0: like, I, I have an essay. I no longer receive software updates, yet yeah, all these different apps on my phones are receiving updates. And as a result, all these apps run super
1: slow, you know? exactly Um, they're not particularly optimized for like your sa right because it's not running the latest software it's not rated for that se. now i think like that's a really interesting thing about that like we went on a huge tangent off the original (laughs)
0: you know we gotta bring up my beautiful segues you know speaking of new software (laughs) facebook is trying to implement and create a new software called um instagram youth we're just specifically
1: designed for kids under 13 years old. You know, I think that brings up something interesting in the, the world of social media for kids, especially. I think, like, say you created uh, Instagram, right, Demon? We all have, like, most of us have, right? And you, I'm assuming that you lied about your age when you created it. Of course, you know, it hit 1994. Yeah, I did too, I put 1998 and like that's the thing, that's the thing that like Facebook doesn't really understand like kids, they, they'll they find a way like you're, apparently you're not supposed to create like an email until you're 13 years old, like I created one when I was like 8, like back when I was like a kid and I don't know about the regulations now, but I, I think like people lie a lot about their age, so I think building a kid like Instagram for youth, it's not really gonna make a difference
0: is so what uh facebook stated so they stated quote the reality is that they are already online and with no foolproof way to stop people from misrepresenting their age we want to build experiences designed specifically for them managed by parents and guardians the post said you know that entire quote is very interesting so basically what they're basically saying is that you're gonna give your kid an instagram youth account and you're, you as the parent are going to be able to track all their posts, track and see like their DMs and messages, right? If you're going through all that trouble as a kid to get Instagram, I don't see why kids would just download the real Instagram and fake their age still. Like, why would a kid like even though this is new software from Facebook is being designed specifically to target and you know appeal to the younger audience 13 and under. As a 13 year old, I always want. As a 13 year old, like I was, like a couple years ago, obviously, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would want to see like what these adults are doing, like what is on like the other side, where without the age restrictions, I would go download the real Instagram, create that own account, anyways.
1: Yeah, I think that that does bring an in- interesting point, cause like the main reason I downloaded that social media, Instagram was because I could get like more insight onto like current events, right? Cause like, especially with like the Instagram that they have right now, there's a lot of like news like circulating around. Some might be fake, some is actually, some is real, some are real. And then I think that's like one of the main reasons I downloaded it. So I can get like more insight onto the current events, like what's happening, what's happening with friends. Like, I think like with Instagram youth, that's gonna like disable a lot of that, right? Since it's only for people under 13, just think about it. How many like users under 13 are, are going to be posting like current events and stuff like that. They're just going to be posting things about themselves. I think like ultimately, it like building an Instagram youth might be more detrimental than actually helpful because they don't get that insight into the real world. They don't, It basically cuts them off from like what's happening in the world, right? It puts them in their own little bubble, which I think can actually hurt kids a lot, especially like around that age where they're like, molding, like figuring out what they want to do in life, like like things like that. You don't. Do you understand that, Dimon?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, um, the thing is, what Instagram like and Facebook are basically saying is like, from my eyes, what they're saying without directly saying it is, we're going to create an Instagram, we're going to control everything's on there, your favorite celebrities are posting a bunch of stuff on the real Instagram, we don't care, you can't see it because it's not for you, appropriate for you. Instagram and Facebook are basically you know, deciding for you what is appropriate for you to see. You know, that also includes like political events, right? You always wanna like know all sides of the spectrum before you, you as a 13 year old, make your own decisions on what you like in the world, right? As a 13 year old, you see both sides and decide which way you wanna go. Instagram cuts you off from that. You don't get that information. They're deciding and pushing their agenda onto you because they're blocking you from seeing certain things, which at that point as a parent, right? If you don't want your kids if you want your kids to be blocked up from stuff like that, at that point just don't give them Instagram at all. Right? I
1: Exactly, my, yeah. My
0: viewpoint is either give them Instagram, give them the full experience, let them form their own opinions and just like control them. Teach them, right, what's good and what's bad. Right? Teach them as a, as a parent, right? But then if you don't want that, just don't give them Instagram at all. Don't give them that liberty to like sh- potentially harm themselves.
1: I think Yeah, you do bring up a good point but I think the the main reason that Facebook is even like contemplating like like, designing this Instagram youth is because of the problems that like kids this generation have right there's a lot there's been a lot of like mental health like like news going around like people want more mental health awareness I think Facebook wants to align with that and just try to like improve their own like public image right their PR so I think that's one of the reasons like maybe it might not be the primary reason but i think it's one of the driving reasons they've been creating instagram youth because i think they understand they're not they're not stupid they understand that like kids will lie about their age just to get on like the adult the adult version of um instagram i think they're doing it mainly for their pr yeah it is is a big pr
0: move like facebook is like the thing is, they're creating this like Facebook youth, right? But then Facebook also says that it plans to use artificial intelligence to verify the age of its users and remove underage accounts. Like for example, the tool would allow it to search for keywords in Instagram posts, such as happy birthday messages and cross references with the user's birthday that they register when creating the account to decide whether these accounts are underaged or not, <clears throat>
1: right? So- I think that, that does bring up another point the privacy because like there's been a lot of privacy stuff going on right there's been like a lot of malware attacks like a lot of a lot of data breaches recently you know like um what was that company was it amazon they got no. hit with like oh, what, what was it, oh, they what think, was it again? um microsoft oh microsoft yeah they were hit with like almost a billion dollar no i think it was amazon i think it was amazon they were hit with almost a billion dollar fine for data breach that happened two years ago, dude, it's like all the privacy leaks and all the stuff that's been happening. I think like, privacy is a big thing. And if they're using like AI to like, like even if they, they Facebook says they don't have, they're not like actually handling their data personally. But like, I think Facebook even doing that, taking like looking at DMs and stuff and like then cross-referencing yeah. that, that might bring up some like privacy issues, that, that's especially that's like, with like kids, you know, like parents don't really want like, like kids' private like information. like hand it over right like yeah. how,
0: how would you feel like i i like basically hacked into your private instagram look at all your posts cross-reference it with your birthday and then decide for you if you're real you, or not if you're real or not Which is a, is definitely, a, like, theory, this it's an ethics concern because like think about it your private your digital life is just as important in your real life nowadays in this new like new generation right so me going into let's say i'm amazon or not sorry not amazon sorry i'm facebook i go into your account figure out all these things to figure out if you're underage it's essentially the same thing as that digital world translating into real life me br- breaking into your house looking for information about your birthday and then leaving
1: It's exactly what it is because like if you think about it, there's also been some, I've read, I saw this video about, it's about privacy and like they made the analogy to like say um, people were gonna find like a, you know, like people can hand over, like the companies can hand over data to like the federal, like the yeah. police officers, right? Like if, if for a case, like their digital data. It's kind of the same thing as asking for, like, the police officers asking an individual, like, just going into an individual's house, reading their diary and leaving. It's it's like, like, that's a fundamental right. People say that having privacy is a fundamental human right. And I think that's a fact. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, I think, having that privacy, unless you have, like, a warranted reason to go through that, which I think the case that they were looking at didn't. I think that's a fundamental human right that people need, privacy
0: just being the devil's advocate for a second, right? I'm I'm Facebook. I argue, right now, what I argue is that by creating this Instagram youth, I'm ensuring more privacy for your child. I'm ensuring that all these adults don't get to, like, come onto your child's account and see what your child is doing, right? That's what Facebook would argue
1: in this, in this case. That, that is a valid reason. Like, I'm not saying, like, that's not, like, it does, like, like, having an Instagram youth for, like, children under 13 years old, it does offer some advantages, like, like protection from predation or abuse or things like that there's, that's definitely a valid reason for having that but i think there's also a lot of other negative factors that can come from having this instagram youth like like the, like as i mentioned before the detrimental impact of cutting like these the preteens from the outside world essentially just keeping them in their own little bubble i think you have to weigh those weigh those like pros and cons and see like what's best for it i think that's what facebook is doing right now because they they're are they designing it right now or they're just speculating
0: uh right they haven't i'm not sure about their how far they are into the design process but they have reaffirmed their intention to build an instagram for kids under 13
1: yeah there's a lot of like
0: that they want to
1: yeah that kind of statement it's not like you can't really hold it to words right because you know like they've said like some things before like creating like some privacy stuff and like they haven't like necessarily delivered on all of them. I think this might happen with the same thing. They'll see like, they'll weigh it out, see like if they'll do some beta testing, see if it's like working out properly. If it doesn't, then they'll scrap the idea. If it doesn't, that's good, right? Cause like, if they actually bring it to market with all like the features, like everything fixed, I think that could be really helpful for, for kids. But if it's not, if they have it in like the state that they're meant like, that they're speculating at, like what people are speculating, I think it's not i think they should just grab the idea at this point one but if, thing they, can, if they like improve on the idea they can actually they can actually make a difference
0: yeah it's one thing we have, we'll have to actually like see in order to see if it how helpful it is you know? you know yeah exactly you know, this entire talk about privacy one word similar to privacy is transparency and when we're talking about transparency we can t- look at the new framework laptop that has now released. See that segue right there? Transparency. So that's, that's
1: a solid segue from one and only D Month.
0: Yeah, you, you wanna bring us up to up to speed on what their framework laptop is?
1: Yeah, sure. So basically framework is uh, it started off as like a camp like uh, a Kickstarter campaign. And essentially what their product was was the framework laptop. So the framework laptop offers what pretty much no other thin and light laptop offers these days complete customizability from processor to RAM to motherboard to the storage to the Wi-Fi card to even the bezel around your display and I think that's, that's that's really cool like especially in this day and age where Apple doesn't even let you like upgrade your storage by yourself or even like open your laptop without voiding the warranty. I think that's, like, a really interesting thing that they're doing in this day and age, especially with, like, no, pretty much, like, no laptop manufacturers, like, really offering that kind of flexibility, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, so for those of you back at home, it's essentially a laptop where you can either build it yourself or have it pre-assembled for you, but you can go in and select different kits of modules, right? You can customize the actual storage in there the actual processors, as with previously stated, and you can build it yourself. You, can, you have so much customizability with this laptop. You know, when you look at pictures of this laptop online, it looks eerily similar to a MacBook, but I think that was their inspiration from the very beginning. It's basically saying like, we are a MacBook, but you can actually change stuff. You actually have your own freedom and flexibility to do what you want with this laptop.
1: Exactly, d month. Like, what they're going for is that here we have a we have a thing that looks like a MacBook, same dimensions as a MacBook, but we did what Apple said that couldn't be done. We could make it upgradable, because remember when Apple said like, I remember there's this interview with Craig Federighi. They're like one, he's like one of like the heads of Apple, and like it's R and D. And he mentioned that, like at this like thinness, say for like the MacBook Pro, you can't really fit that much module, like modularity or like, right. customization it's pretty, it's pretty into that.
0: Everything was like welded together
1: in that. Laptop. Exactly, there's all soldered onto the board. But here's framework showing that at at this thinness and weight, you can do exactly that. You can upgrade. You can change the ports, even the bezel. You can change it from black to white, which I thought is absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I mean, no one I want to know would actually change it to a white bezel because yeah, personally, like, I think that I, I, looks ugly.
0: Yeah, I know. Black bezels are definitely a lot better, yeah. especially like like just looks wise. Like, why would you want to see your bezel and make it stand out in white?
1: But, exactly. When it's turned off, you, it just blends in with the screen. Yeah,
0: but Linus Tech Tips, Tech Tips made an amazing video, as he always does with all these computers, right? Yeah. And, you know, one thing I found really cool is like I right now, I run a Dell XPS, right? We got, mm-hmm. I got two USB-C ports and that's it. In this laptop, you can actually remove each port and push another one in. It's like, it's like um, putting in an SD card feel. It feels like you're putting in an SD card or like a Nintendo 3DS, you're putting in your, pressing in your game chip. It's like that. You can pull out the port, switch it out to an HDMI and push it in. And now your laptop has an HDMI port. Then you want to take it out. you you pull that port out, you plug, push in an ethernet port, you have an ethernet port now. This is really, really cool, you know, having like that flexibility and you don't need, and and what this does is, it allows you like to carry stuff around without a dongle, right? You can just carry around these tiny little ports with you. Just plug it, plug and play, plug and play as you want.
1: Exactly, I think that modularity, like I think what they call it are modules. Like they can, I think that's really cool, right? Like being able to switch out these ports and like basically configure it, it's like what you need right because I, I run a MacBook Pro right now as well and I only have two USB C or Thunderbolt 4 ports. And that's like honestly like I use up those ports like often like pretty much like every day I have like two things more than two things plugged in and I have to use these dongles. And if I have these mod if I had these modules on my Mac I think that would that would be game changing for me. I would have like two USB C ports maybe an HDMI and a USB A port. I think that would be that would be really helpful to like power users. And you know also you said that video on Linus Tech Tips, right? So yeah. I was actually watching that video and I saw something that Linus hasn't done in a really long time. He actually bought it the minute the video was done. He bought the yeah. laptop. I haven't yeah. seen that in a really long time. That, that, that just shows, shows the, the caliber of this product, how far it can go, like all the applications of it. I think that's yeah, really think interesting. It, um,
0: Right now, like the people who know about these laptops are like tech savvy individuals individuals right but the yeah. frame company they make this laptop so anyone can go in and change stuff you only need to take out five screws and you have access to the entire inners of the laptop and then from there it's very easy they really show you how to change out different components so i can go to my 14 uh, year old sister who knows nothing about how laptops work and she will be able to customize and change her laptop as necessary for to fit her needs which is really um Important, I would say for this company to expand their scale to a bigger network, to where everyone can go in and build their own type of laptop.
1: Exactly. I think this is what they, this is their gateway product, like their new line. They're gonna definitely create like a new line of laptops, right? Like this just didn't like they'll create workstations and stuff like that. This is basically their proof of concept to say like this can be done and it's a viable approach to like getting this stuff to the market, right? Like people are buying these things, right? There's like. I, this, um, I think like, some of them are even sold out at this point. At this point, like one of their drops, I think like YouTube. that's that's really cool.
0: You go on YouTube and you can uh, see all these videos of people building gaming PCs, work PCs, um, but you never see anyone building a laptop. Right now, you can do that. You can build exactly. your own laptop. Custom- you customize everything as like small and detailed as like the speakers in your laptop. You can interchange. Um, with ease, like, it's, it's very, I'm really, I'm really, like, impressed with this company and how easy and mainstream they've made it for everyone to work on these laptops. It's not even, like, it's not even, like, it's a gimmick to the process and the speeds and, like, the performance of this laptop are up to par with what anyone would ever need in order to um, function their day, day-to-day programs and applications.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up an inter- interesting point, Iman, because, like, this versatility it's basically unheard of in the laptop market, right? You're getting desktop-class customizability in a thin and light laptop that's like the same dimensions as a MacBook. I think that's that's absolutely crazy because like if you think about it, I've seen the breakdown of this like the teardown of this computer, and there's so much potential to what they can do with their existing product. They can they've made the display replaceable. Like currently, they don't have like it's like not not a touchscreen display, but they have they have like. The infrastructure in the computer, to like so that people can actually remove the display and interchange it with a touchscreen-enabled display. But the thing is, like, absolutely crazy. they It packs so much features into this. And another thing is that I thought was really cool. You only need one screwdriver for all of this. There's only one type of screw in this throughout this entire computer to replace any part, which I thought was crazy. And they're all color-coded as well. And their manual is so intuitive. This is this is unheard of be completely frank
0: yeah like on their part too the decision to go with uh, a macbook looking hardware it's a really smart decision right because you go anywhere you recognize a macbook right you know what a macbook hardware is that's why so many people have fallen in love with the style of a macbook right exactly. I, I i can i can bet like all the money i have right now that if they decide to go with just their own type of um laptop design like create their own type of laptop design and not like make it look like a Mac, this product wouldn't go as far,
1: right? Cause- 100%. I totally agree with that. Cause laptop. if you, if you think about it in, in their website or any of their like promotion materials, they never talk specifically like against Apple, right? And this is an indirect way of attack, like quote unquote attacking Apple, right? Cause they give like, a Apple S design, MacBook X design. And that, that kind of like gives it like, makes it like a Mac adjacent product. So when people see this, they instantly compare it to a Mac. They're like, oh, I've seen this design. It kind of looks like a Mac, but in a Mac, I don't have this kind of customizability. I think it's a really smart marketing move that they've made and it's working. Cause I've been looking like at, like i tried to, I am just going through specking this thing out. And I've seen that up until they have a total of five batches where they drop this product and ship it to consumers, three out of five are already, are already sold out. Everything is crazy, right? For this Kickstarter, they're like, it's such a small company and they've been selling out their products. You know, that's crazy.
0: One thing I will say is right now, they only have like one, um, their framework laptop, they only have one hardware option, right? You can, exactly. you can go customize everything on the inside, but the outside is still a Mac looking computer. I wonder, if, and right now that, that was definitely the right decision to go off and go with to start their company but i wonder if in the future they're going to release different types of um shells
1: uh, yeah i think they uh, definitely will because if you think about it right now like the shell like say for the innards right they don't particularly necessarily have to supply them right they don't have to make them in-house and sell them on their website you can just go on to like Newegg, or amazon micro center just pick up some like ram modules a wi-fi card like a m2 ssd anything like that but if you think about it the shell they have to particularly make it they have to like tool it all and actually like manufacture those shells and sell them on their website and like for a company like this, I don't think they have the infrastructure at this point or like the capital to like make it, have all these SKUs. Like more SKUs, it's more like logistics, more operations management and all that. They don't particularly have that at this point. So I think in the future, they'll definitely get to a point where they have like like way more customizability than they have right now. And they already have a lot. So that says something there.
0: Like you look at the everyday laptop buyer, the look of a laptop matters a lot to them. Right? Yeah, definitely. Like the look of a Mac sta- puts out a statement every time you pull out your laptop. The the sleekness of a Dell XVS um, shows something to everyone around you the moment you pull it out. So I'm really interested to see, to see what other shells this company um, comes out with.
1: Yeah, they definitely have a lot of potential to go far. Like they can become like the next Apple. And honestly, I think personally, I think even Linus said it, they can get really big if they market this thing properly.
0: You know, one thing about Apple, you know, this this entire fiasco with their app store, man. You know, Elon Musk even talked about it. Elon Musk
1: tweets, or not just tweet, I think he made a statement to TechCrunch, I believe, saying that Apple has a de facto global tax on the internet for their app store, which I thought was crazy. He sides with Epic Games on this Apple versus Epic lawsuit. So basically, for those of you at home who don't know what this whole legal thing, battle, is. So basically, Epic Games had um, an in-game virtual currency that you could buy in the app. And they had it on the App Store. And they didn't want to give that 10% cut that Apple takes on all in-app store purchases. So Epic thought that that was like anti-competitive. They're essentially monopolizing the app business. And they thought it was anti-competitive. So they filed a lawsuit, and it's been going on for I want to say a year and a half, for almost two years, and there's still no like clear outcome of what happened, and Elon Musk just recently, I think on July 30th, just two days ago, when we were recording this episode, um, sides with Epic Games and saying that Apple does have like, is, is monopolizing, taking advantage of their market share in, in that business. You know, they're taking
0: adventure their market share right but we also have to see like um i'm not really like too um well versed in this area do you know um the google play store um does like google um take a percentage of your money the same way apple does with their app store yeah they do
1: i think pretty much every app store does take um a percentage of the product of the in-app purchases but i think google has laid off a bit on it which is not why they're not getting necessarily the same amount kind of backlash as Apple's getting because Apple hasn't stepped down on any of it. Or I think they might have, but I think was it Apple or Google? I remember one of the companies, um, they had they said that if an app has less than a million downloads or makes no no, no makes less than a million dollars in revenue, they wouldn't take a cut from their profits or revenue.
0: Yeah, I see like something like that. I definitely see that makes sense. Like, you know, just playing like to like let's say I'm the lawyer of Apple, like the way I see it, the way I would see it if I was the lawyer of Apple is, I created this product, it's an amazing product. I want my entire ecosystem to work very well and that's the reason why I created the App Store. For um, people to, you know, use apps, they have to go through my App Store and my App Store is providing you, the, the consumer, the consumer being the people that create these different apps. Uh, me as Apple, I'm providing you a seamless way for all these people to reach these audience, which is in turn making you money. So you're making money through, through my product. And so I just des- feel like I deserve to take a percentage of that money for providing you a platform to reach this many people.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's basically, that's the reason why people use App Store. Because of the pl- the people on the, the number of consumers on the platform. And for giving you the opportunity they take they take a percentage of your in-app store purchases and some apps they don't even do in-app store purchases so i think so this is a complicated concept because if you think about it it's way harder. if you think about it like antitrust laws like the ones that applied to like the industry barons like decades ago with standard oil um the steel making uh, the railroads they don't necessarily apply the same way to tech companies right because those antitrust laws they were designed for for like actual like companies that are like can't have tangible goods like it's so hard to apply them to these to these um to these tech giants so that's why they, there's like new legislation that's being like worked into it to like take action against these tech giants right if you think about it apple has the majority share of the app business and what what people are saying is that Even they're, they they're taking advantage of
0: in the u.s, in the
1: US they do. yeah um, at least in the u.s because like other countries i'm pretty sure have like an android or um samsung or android phone like Play market store. share yeah in the, in the u.s at least i think like people are saying that the apple's taking advantage of the market share they have and implementing or yeah, implementing like anti-competitive practices so that's the main reason like why this why this legal battle hasn't been concluded yet because like it's so it's so controversial it's like there's so many different views there's so many different applications of the laws that it's so hard for people to get a decisive view on what's happening
0: but see the way i see it is like how are they being anti-competitive like what competition are they really getting rid of right it's like it, it doesn't make sense to me like These apps are reliant on getting their money and money streams through the app, people downloading their app off the app store. You're not ridding them of their competition by just taking a small percentage of that money, right? Being anti-competitive would be saying, oh, your company makes a product that's a threat to mine, so I'm gonna remove and make sure you don't get any money through your app that's being um, purchased on my app
1: store. It, It technically is a threat. If you think about it, that revenue does go towards the company you made, the product, right? Like, if you think about it, Apple does, they do take data on people who download the apps and stuff. They get their revenue that way, and they have plenty of other, other mediums, mediums of receiving money, right? There's so many different platforms that they make money on. And I think what people are saying is that, like, Apple has the industry-leading, like, market share. So they're increasing... Like, it's not necessarily anti-competitive, in the sense that it's for the apps inside the app store it's more mainly because other stores, right Say, say apple's like i think we've, we've talked about it before apple's a trendsetter in these um in in most like not just i think we said tesla but apple's also a trendsetter in in the business right in the tech business because they say for the headphone jack they removed it and soon after samsung also removed it so
0: and then, and then every other company removed. It. exactly
1: exactly like apple's a trendsetter what they, and what Apple's taking, people are saying they're taking advantage of, is that they have so much market share that other people in the market, say like the Google Play Store, they're piggybacking off the fact that Apple's doing this, and they're also taking advantage of that. If Apple can do it, we can do it. That's what—that's basically what they're saying. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode of the Mainframe Podcast. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in for new episodes every Friday. Take care and peace.
0: You are now leaving the Mainframe.